DW Africa Link. Hello and welcome to the program bringing you the latest from Africa and beyond. I am Eddie Micah Jr. And my name is Josie Mahachi. We are coming to you live from our Bond studios here in Germany. Join us on our Facebook page, DW Africa. And remember, we are also streaming live through all our partner stations across the continent. That's right. Coming up on the show, election in the Democratic Republic of Congo enters a second day after logistical chaos. In any case, it was difficult to vote, but I persevered. A lot of people voted at 1 or even 2 a.m., but I didn't want to get hurt in the middle of the night. In the end, I voted. And will there be a rerun? We hear exclusively from opposition candidate Martin Fayulu. Yeah, but what we can know else, what we want everybody to sit down together and see what can you do else if you don't get run. But to rerun is we have to sit down together and see how to rerun the, the election. Okay, there's more coming up on the show. Stay tuned for the details. But first, the world's news in brief. DW News. Hello, I am Okeri Gushinado. The Democratic Republic of Congo's National Election Commission says it will start publishing provisional results from this week's general election on Friday. The vice president of the commission, Didi Manara, made the announcement on radio. Voting in the Central African nation was extended by a day today after massive delays nationwide on Wednesday. Meanwhile, opposition candidates are calling for a whole new ballot rejecting the extension as illegal. More on Congo's general election and an exclusive interview with opposition candidate Maya Martin Fayulu coming up on Africa Link shortly. While well, market insiders are watching Angola after the ex- after the country announced that it will pull out of the organization of the petroleum exporting countries OPEC, saying its membership was not serving the country's decision. Mineral Resources and Petroleum Minister Diamantino Acevedo said the country's decision was not taken lightly. Analysts say Angola's departure is unlikely to have a significant impact on oil supplies given the Southern African nation country's small percentage of total OPEC or output. But the move raises questions about the unity of the group. Angola joins other mid-sized producers like Ecuador and Qatar, which have left OPEC in the last decade. Oil prices in the country has fallen by nearly 2%. In Guinea-Conakry, Junta leader Mamadou Dumbuya paid his condolences to the families of victims of a fire at the main fuel depot on Monday, which killed over a dozen people and wounded more than a hundred people. Our correspondent Karim Kamara reports from Conakry. Junta leader Mamadou Dumbuya began by paying his heartfelt condolences to all victims, adding that all those wounded will be taken care of by the government. In the face of this painful challenge that has affected the whole country, I am declaring a three-day national mourning in the memory of the victims, as from Thursday, 21st December 2023. During this period, the national flag will fly low throughout the country and at our diplomatic representation. Red groups and ordinary Guineans say the nationwide address comes too late. Africa Link News comes to you from Germany's international broadcaster, DW. 
President Joe Biden says the U.S. is negotiating on a new United Nations resolution on Gaza that, quote, we may be able to agree to. The U.N. Security Council is working to get, to get U.S. approval on a resolution sponsored by Arab states to halt the fighting. A vote has been repeatedly delayed as negotiators haggle over wording. The latest version of the resolution calls for a suspension of hostilities between Israel and Hamas, which many countries classify as a terrorist group. France, the UK and Germany have joined global calls for a ceasefire. And finally, a Christmas gift to Nigerians. The government is offering free train rides and slash luxury bus fares across 22 routes nationwide. The government says it will allow domestic travellers to visit their loved ones in hometowns without the extra burden imposed by the high costs of transport around the festive period. The discounted travel and free trips are available until January the 4th. That is the latest news on Africa Link. I am Okeri Kushinado. Thanks, Okeri. And thanks to all of you for sticking with us on the programme coming to you live from our Bone Studios and through all our partner stations across the continent. My name is Josie Mahachi. And Eddie Micah Jr. is my name. Remember to comment on the stories we're covering on our Facebook page, DW Africa, where a lot of comments are already coming through. Most of you are commenting on what is going to be our top story, the Democratic Republic of Congo election entering day two. So stay tuned for more on that. That's right. Let's hit the road back to the DRC, as Eddie said, where elections continued this Thursday morning, December 21st, in centres that were unable to function normally yesterday. That's right. Hundreds of inhabitants of the city of Goma spent the night in front of polling stations. Some were able to vote throughout the night, others in the morning today, but many others have still not had the opportunity to cast their ballot. Sanem Neti Zaidi, a correspondent in Goma, has more. At 7 a.m. on Tuesday, December 21st, 22-year-old student Elizabeth Mapenzi wakes up at the Neema Elementary School Voting Center, where she has spent the night to vote this morning. In any case, it was difficult to vote, but I persevered. A lot of people voted at 1 or even 2 a.m., but I didn't want to get hurt in the middle of the night, so I stayed until morning. In the end, I voted, and I am happy. In the centers of Neema, La Concorde, Musawato, and many others in the city of Goma, the elections were held from 6 a.m., to 7.30 a.m. on Tuesday to catch up with voters who couldn't wait all night. But despite his patience, Edison Kambale still hasn't crossed the polling station threshold. Entering the polling station and voting was like walking through the gateway to paradise. It was like grass, which unfortunately I didn't receive myself because of the queue. Some machines broke down. On top of that, there was heavy rain that fell on us at night. But we held on, hoping that we would get through and vote. There were some who pushed on and managed to vote. In short, it was a big mess. Among the disorders highlighted in the organization of these elections in Goma is the omission of certain voters from the voting lists posted by the CENI, isolated cases which should have been dealt with by those in charge of the voting centers, but which, according to Serge Shamamba, a victim, were ignored. This Congolese citizen regrets not having been able to fulfill his civic duty. 
I checked my name on all the lists, but it wasn't there. It's painful. As a citizen, you have duties to perform, but when it's made impossible, it's very bad. And as a good citizen, I didn't think I could be excluded in this way. The elections are therefore closed today in Goma, and it is now a matter of copying and posting the results in each polling station pending the proclamation of the provisional results on December 31st, according to the Electoral Commission's timetable. Thank you, Zanem Neti Zaidi, for that report. Now, just as the previous report from Goma highlighted, national elections in Congo have been marred by delays and logistical problems, as well as fraud and violence. Now, opposition presidential candidates have rejected the extension, saying it violates the constitution. Five Congolese opposition presidential candidates called on Wednesday for a rerun of the general elections that were beset with 14 delays. Nearly a third of polling booths in the country had not opened and about 45% of voting machines suffered technical problems, observers say. Now, earlier on, our colleague Isaac Mugabe had a chat with one of the main opposition candidates, Martin Fayulu. It's an exclusive interview. First time you're going to hear it is with us here on Africa Link. Now, he starts by describing what exactly is happening in the country regarding the elections. Yeah, this is the chaos that uh, Mr. Kadima the president of Seni planned. They, they plan it. Uh, there is no uh, other word that can be uh, is suitable for what is happening uh, now. If not, why Mr. Kadima, knowing that he was not ready uh, to uh, dispatch the equipment everywhere in each single polling station, why he didn't ask for one week or 10 days. In 2018, they postponed the election for one week. We had the election on uh, December 30th. Why this time around, he couldn't take that 10 days and so he can dispatch the old equipment because he knew that Mr. Felix Shisekedi cannot win. As he cannot win, the only way for him uh, to survive is to plan the chaos. That's what... Uh, we're having now. And for an outsider, they might want to know, how would you describe the relationship between the Electoral Commission, Seni, and the incumbent president, Felix Sekedi? Because according to what you say, it seems like they're, they're colluding into what is happening now. Uh, yeah, that, that's true. Uh, the Electoral Commission has chosen his candidate, which is Mr. Felix Sekedi. Mr. Kadima, the president of Seni, was appointed by force by Mr. Chisikidi. The Catholic Church and the Protestant Church, they contested that uh, nomination. But uh, Mr. Chisikidi pushed for Kadima. He is not a specialist of uh, electoral operation, but he's a specialist of observation, election observation. He knows all way to rig the election. That's why Chisikidi brought him in. And uh, this time around, uh, uh, Kadima has to help him. Uh, and what are you going to do next? What's your next course of action now that you seem to be rejecting what the Electoral Commission is doing? The next thing is that we want the terms of the ballot. We want, first of all, all Congolese who detain the electoral card, he has to vote. We want the vote everywhere in this country. Today, uh, many places, many polling stations were not open. Mr. Kadima extended 
the vote until to, to today, but the, la- the law doesn't allow him to do that. The law said that the election should take place the, on Sunday or the day that is declared that uh, nobody will go to work. And uh, the electoral law said you can extend only the hours, the uh, opening hours, you can bring it before, or the closing hour, you can extend it. But the, the law doesn't allow anybody to say that you can vote in two days or three or whatever day, number of days it is. What mm-hmm. we want, Mr. Kadima and Mr. Chisekedi, they have to take the responsibilities. They have spent $1.3 billion, okay, uh, mm-hmm. US dollars, and they have to tell us what they did with that. We want the clean, the transparent, and the impartial election. We will not accept any rigged election. As mm-hmm. of now, yes. the people coming out, uh, I'm leading, okay? Those okay. I'm leading, okay? but we cannot be satisfied with that. We want all Congolese to vote, and this is just an election. Hey, Mr. Fayou, yesterday, yesterday, sorry to interrupt you, yesterday, after you cast your ballot, you warned that if they try to rig, you will mobilize the supporters to protest. Just are you going to the streets in case you're not declared the winner? No, no, no. It's not being declared the winner. Mm-hmm. I will go to the street not because I'm not declared the winner. We will go to the street if somebody else will. But openly, you know, what is the problem? I will say, okay, I applaud and this guy is the president of Congo. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that I have to win uh, because I have to win. I'm saying that the truth of the ballot should prevail. That's what I'm saying. So you want a rerun of the election. Is that right? We want the uh, election, the transparent and impartial election. We want a process, uh, a flawless uh, process. We don't want somebody to come to do what he wants, what he has in mind. We know that Felix Sekidi wants to take the revenge because he didn't win last time and he put everything on his side and we cannot accept that. So you don't want everyone because you've been quoted by saying by some media organizations that Martin Fayul, one of the leading candidates, want a rerun of the whole election. Yeah, but what we can do else? What we want everybody to sit down together and see what we can do. But today, nobody can correct what is happening. The law said that the election is one day. The day has, has passed. What can you do else if you don't okay. rerun? But to rerun is we have to sit down together and see how to rerun the election. Mm-hmm. The voice of opposition presidential candidate Martin Fayulu. It was an exclusive interview that my colleague Isaac Mugabe did with him. And uh, yeah, very, very revealing. A lot of, basically, in a nutshell, they are not satisfied with the organization and how this particular election went, and they're going to do all they mm-hmm. can to make sure they get it right. Absolutely. Yeah. But it's always the case with opposition, Eddie. But mm. in this instance, probably the effects, because mm. is he saying that election should only be one day, but mm. it is obviously, um, happened as well today. Yeah. And I think some 
provinces or some regions are still voting as we yeah. speak, which, yeah. of course, they are crying foul. Yeah. But we wait and see if there will be a see. rerun because I hear tomorrow already the results will be announced. I mean, it's it's that's a lot of uh, talk. Speculations. You know, speculations mm-hmm. here and there. We'll, we'll definitely keep tabs on it and give you uh, the exact information. But, of course, the, the electoral independent electoral commission mm-hmm. is the only one that's supposed to declare the results. So until that is done, there's definitely a lot of issues, chaotic issues being dealt with. On our Facebook page, we basically, uh, based on this interview, we said Martin Fayulu told DW in that interview that he the truth of the ballot should prevail, right? What are your thoughts on that? Edgar Chitukutuku says, if we run, is this a sign of defeat? And Esther Williams says, every election in that country is not free and fair. Edmond Jones says the opposition is only fighting to get power and do the same thing the present leader is doing. Elections in Africa are just a continuation of the same present problems. And Mistake School says, God have mercy, these people from DRC, others are still here in Zambia in refugees, refugee camps. But again, we have started hearing this. Okay. Yeah. You know, it's, it's unfortunate that during these periods, you keep hearing people... Describing generally African elections as a joke and all, and that's that's not nice to hear as Africans, right? Um, And and obviously, it's not a fair statement, you know, characterizing all fifty-four countries on the continent. But some of the key countries experience Mm -hmm. a lot of these chaotic situations, and it just makes you ask the question: Do we need elections? Well, that is even going to open a, a whole new kind of worms. <laughs> yeah. But that is what some people even say on our Facebook page, that because it doesn't mean anything to them, yeah. they feel like, what's even the point? Like Martin Fayulu was saying that uh, President Chisekedi spent about $1.5 billion on these elections. And um, looking at what is happening there, it doesn't justify the money that he said he was spending for the election. So the question is, with all this money, it could be used for something else. I mean, do we really need these elections? It's, it's a fair point. Where where did the money go if this is mm-hmm. the, the truth that this amount of money was supposed... I mean, look, the DRC is such a huge country, it right? Mm-hmm. That organizing any event will take a lot, right? Yeah, a lot of making sure you connect, you know, you, you dot all the I's, connect mm-hmm. the T's. Uh, it's, 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 it's a mission, to yeah. say the least. So if you don't go all in such chaotic issues like we're facing in this particular election can easily happen. Absolutely. Anyway, we wait and see. We'll be updating you each and every moment, whatever happens in the DRC, on our Facebook page, DW Africa. Now, thanks for sticking with us. This is DW's Africa Link program. If you just joined us, welcome. My name is Josie Mahachi. And I am Eddie Micah Jr. Feel free to connect with us on Facebook at DW Africa. Like and follow the page. Also, comment on the stories we're covering. Now, coming up in the next few minutes, Kenya has been proudly touted as Africa's renewable energy pioneer. So why is the country facing frequent power blackouts? Poor governance leads to poor service delivery. It should be looked at that we don't have a lot of monopolization in Kenya power, in Kenjan. Sometimes the network drips when it is overloaded. Okay, also ahead. Nigerians are concerned about Chinese prisoners working in their country. I don't think that it makes sense. It's more or less like you're making people who can carry out the job effectively, you're making them redundant. I mean, where would you get people who are in prisons to come and serve in another country? And I think it's unfair. That and more coming up. But before we get into that story, let's go look at the state of nationwide blackouts in Kenya. 
That's right. Many are confused about why that's happening in a country, Eddie, that mm. boasts of being a renewable energy hub on the continent. Yeah, it's, it's really a pressing issue, Josie. It's left many people literally in the dark, pun intended. So why do the lights keep going out in Kenya to help us unravel this mystery? Here's Andrew Wasiki from Nairobi, Kenya. The most recent national blackout happened on December 10th, making it the third in just three months. According to the Energy and Petroleum Regulatory Authority, IPRA, nearly 87% of Kenya's electricity is generated from renewable sources. That's a significant proportion which places the country at the forefront of clean energy adoption in Africa. But that doesn't seem enough to prevent the frequent nationwide blackouts. So, what really is the problem on the streets of Nairobi, some Kenyans shared their thoughts with us. Uh, having power blackouts is very normal, but to which extent and to which levels does this event or these occurrences exist? The, the, the problem is about governance. Poor governance leads to poor service delivery. And of course, uh, personally, when uh, power goes, it affects my normal schedules and programs. When blackouts come, it founds many people. As at large, you are unprepared. So it hinders the transaction in terms of business. Victor Kenga, a renewable energy expert, say that what might be plaguing Kenya's energy sector might be the relative lack of monopoly control in the country's main energy companies. He warned that a fragmented landscape poses unique challenges. It should be looked at that we don't have a lot of monopolization in Kenya Power and Kenjan. Talk about the, 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 the CS uh, of uh, energy sector, the PS, and those working in that department. Kenya has approved 66 billion shillings, which is about 430 million US dollars, to tackle recurring power outages across the country. There is the construction of a new transmission line to reduce overload on existing lines and prevent nationwide outages. Completion is expected within 20 months and is to be funded by the African Development Bank and Japan. According to Kenya's energy minister, David Chirchir, that will ease the overload on the main transmission power lines that he believes is causing the frequent blackouts. Sometimes the network drips when it is overloaded. There was sudden uh, demand uh, and the line that between Kisumu and uh, Moroni and cascaded down to the rest of the country. Kenya has been proudly touted as Africa's renewable energy pioneer, with President William Ruto championing the nation's commitment to sustainable power solutions. But despite this promising narrative, the recent surge in power outages is casting a shadow over Kenya's ambition. Although generation capacity has increased, transmission and distribution infrastructure are not sufficiently developed to reach all areas, thus creating pockets of excess capacity within specific regions while others face shortages. Okay, thank you so much, Andrew Asike, for that report from Nairobi, Kenya. Yeah, it's uh, for, for me from Ghana when we had a period of load shedding, mm. right? Where you, <laughs> I remember those days, the, the, I won't say the good old days, it's the bad old days. <laughs> because, bad old days. You know, it's, it's sometimes there's a plan, but sometimes the plan doesn't even work out. You know, that maybe from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m., yeah. you're not going to have lights. Then all of a sudden, it's the whole day. You know, the whole day. Yeah. Or, and uh, but but with Kenya, it's, it's, it's even more interesting because mm. we're talking about nationwide blackouts, situations where nowhere 
has access to electricity. There's total blackout, right? Including the state house or? I, well, I doubt that I would, would really happen in the state I, house. I would, I would have worried to know because we say nationwide. I mm. mean, but what's also, what's actually weird now that you, even, even you asked that mm. is that uh, even the airports and airports oh, yeah. should hardly face this. There's been situations where mm-hmm. even the airports, the, the, the automatic generators that are supposed to turn up when, uh, you know, there's blackout, yeah. they, they remained you know, shut off. So people were wondering, is this some sh- uh, sabotage going on? Is there's been some oh, it's debate? A coup. <laughs> well, some it's people some were already of, thinking that it's a coup well, happening somewhere. People like to, we don't we don't need to scare people out there. People, people like to scare people. This is definitely not that. I think it's more an issue of people not happy with the way the government is going because the yeah. country is currently facing a lot of challenges, economic challenges, challenges. and right. so people want. Uh, want the best condition but yeah we'll, we'll be keeping tabs on this the 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 government says they are working on the situation to make it better make it better so we'll announce it to you guys if it is now let's move away from east africa kenya to west africa nigeria it's now public knowledge that chinese prisoners are brought into the country to work in chinese construction firms in nigeria but for how long Will that go on? Now, the Controller General of Nigerian Immigration, Mrs. Carol Adepeju, compared the practice to human trafficking and thereby illegal. She aims to fully ban it. Now, for more on that story, our correspondent, Ben Shimang, filed this report. It is not only the Controller General of Immigration, Mrs. Carol Adepeju, who has revealed this. Adams Oshumole, chairman of the Senate Committee on Immigration, says some oil companies also import convicts who now work in Nigeria and they earn more money than Nigerians. As expected, when the news broke out that these Chinese prisoners have taken over works of Nigerian engineers at construction sites, Nigerians are unhappy. Well, I don't think that it makes sense. People who are serving jail time to come over to another country that have people who can carry out these jobs. It's more or less like you're making people who can carry out the job effectively, you're making them redundant. I mean, where would you get people who are in prisons to come and serve in another country? And I think it's unfair. Maybe our people here don't want to do a lesser job that attract little payment. And in another sense, maybe the contract is given to Chinese farm and they will look for cheap labor, which is those prisoners may not be paid anything. We need to verify this fact to ascertain the truth if such really happens in this country. And if it does, the institutions responsible for their coming in in the country who are prisoners and to come and serve in Nigeria as engineers, they need to be sanctioned. There is a lot to investigate. An architect, Ime Umo, says generally construction sites are not for non-professionals. When you have prisoners, they are not known to be gentle people. They are known over time to be people who rely on some form of drugs. And these are not things that we actually want within the construction space. When we are doing construction, we want to minimize any form of errors. Where you have people who are serving prison times working, most times they do not do these jobs with passion, the dedication that is required for such works. If we hear of fires, outbreaks, collapses, I think we really should not do this part. So what are the provisions in the legal instruments locally and internationally on the practice of employing prisoners who to work in Nigeria? Mr. Zakari Sokfa is a Nigerian lawyer from Kaduna State. The Nigerian Labor Law, the International Labor Law and its conventions, and the Nigerian Immigration Act. There is nowhere the laws 
contemplate a foreign prisoner, be it a Chinese or otherwise, to be given a work permit and to be accorded the status of a worker of a foreign company in Nigeria. There is also no bilateral arrangement between any foreign country and Nigeria to legitimize prisoners serving terms in their own country for whatever crime to come into Nigeria as employees of a foreign company. Such a practice is illegal and it cannot be defended in law. The new Controller General of Immigration says such illegal acts will stop immediately because, according to her, there is a new sheriff in town. Okay, I like the sound of that new sheriff in town who's going to make sure everything goes smoothly. That was Ben Adam Shemang reporting from Abuja, Nigeria. Now straight to our Facebook page, we posted this particular story and comments are coming in. Lazarus Tembo says, we have been aware of this since 1964 here in Zambia. So I think it's been hey. happening in Zambia. Oh, hmm. okay. Mood Kabiru says uh, she's right. They earn 10 times more than some Nigerians working in that same company. Okay. Mm-hmm. And Abina Awa says the Chinese are no true friend of Africa, cunning and greedy people. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's a very interesting topic. Mm-hmm. Um, how long have authorities known this? Um, how long have they looked into this? Yeah, there's actually a, a comment here from Blaze Billion says, this has been going on in most, if not all, African countries with projects being carried out by Chinese contractors. Then I ask myself, where is the place of our governments and the people? The level of disrespect is too much. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, there's a lot of comments actually on, mm. on this particular matter. Most of you are, are glad that it's come out and you hope that, uh, uh, you know, the authorities... This time we'll be serious about, you know, clamping down doing on something that, about right? it, doing yeah. something about it. But uh, still, let us know your thoughts on our Facebook page, DW Africa. Another story making headlines, the goalkeeper and assistant coach of an Algerian top flight football club, MCL Bayad, died in a team bus crash while traveling to a weekend fixture. Yeah, it's mm. a rather unfortunate news there. M- many of you are sharing your sympathies. Uh, Selma Monyan says, my sympathy to the entire Algerian team. Zadok Kunyango says, rest in eternal peace, great entertainers. As the year wraps up, let's all Mm -hmm. be extra careful out there, you know, so we end the year alive and in good health. Thanks a lot for your time on the program. I am Eddie Micah Jr. And my name is Josie Mahachi. Until next time, take care. DW. Made for Minds.